You're listening to episode 406 of the UAV Digest. I'm Max Flight. And I'm David Vanderhoof. Hello, Max. Long time no see. Happy 4th of July. It's hard to believe we're in July already. Half the year's gone. It's going quickly. It's going very quickly. But uh, we've got some interesting stories this week. We do. Our topics are locals push back on Amazon delivery plans, an autonomous device that swaps out batteries and payloads, drones that transform battlefield medicine, impacts of drones in sports, saving elm trees and with aerial inspection, using drones to investigate environmental polluters, and a company says that they have a patent for certain multi-rotor propulsion systems. So with that, Max, should we get started? David, let's get started. Okay, well, our first story comes from um, ADN.com. Amazon drones are coming to a town. Some locals want to shoot them. (laughs) Um, Amazon recently announced they would begin delivering packages by drone in the United States. The company notified local authorities in unincorporated Lockford, California, and they're building a drone facility. But evidently, uh, it's not necessarily um, a welcome addition to the area. That's right. Yeah, that drone facility is under construction, but according to this article, the the local residents are only finding uh, finding out about this now. Uh, despite the fact that Amazon notified the, the authorities six months ago. But the reactions are classic. They're invading our privacy. This came from a contractor who said he once threatened to shoot down a neighbor's drone flying over his house. Another resident said it's going to destroy our mom-and-pop stores. Another person says, I don't think drones are needed. They're taking jobs away from people who are looking. This article is riddled with comments from uh, the local townsfolk. Yeah, well, how about this? I have a large amount of livestock and horses, and a drone would easily frighten the animals. This idea of newer technology invading your privacy while potentially scarring your animals is quite scary to many out there. This was the classic. When asked about this uh, Amazon facility getting ready to open up, his response was, Target practice! (laughs) Okay. Now, our normal disclaimer, drones are aircraft, and if you shoot down an aircraft, that is a commission of a federal offense, and you can go to jail, and people have. So don't be shooting the drones. That's right. They might be annoying, but don't be shooting at them. But Amazon's got kind of a bad reputation for undertaking projects secretly, clandestinely, not necessarily being forthcoming with the information? Yeah, they, they're they known to use code names. Amazon will negotiate tax subsidies outside of the public eye. And this happens for a variety of different kinds of facilities. It could be data centers, new fulfillment centers, corporate headquarters, but, you know, you can kind of see why Amazon is sort of forced to do this, because uh, if uh, uh, they just announce to the locals what they have in mind at the very beginning of a project, then they still get the flack. And there have been many... Might, might not get the project done. And might not, or even start the project. There have been a number of cases where 
the the public outcry has uh, forced Amazon to change their plans altogether. So it's it's kind of well, it's it's kind of necessary. But on the other hand, all of these comments, well, pretty much all of these comments from people uh, reflect concerns by. Um, some folks who, you know, may not have the full awareness of what's of what's happening here. I mean, take the issue of jobs. Um, okay, so Amazon tends to crush uh, the mom and pop, the, the small local businesses in many cases. But, you know, having a, a, a drone-based fulfillment center creates new jobs. So there's a shift. There's an awareness that needs to go on concerning drones, and certainly in education, as you point out, David, with respect to, you know, can you even shoot a drone down and and all of that. So it's kind of a tough task, I think, for a company like Amazon to open up a service like this. You've got to engage the the local population in a way that they feel comfortable with what's going on and not have this strong negative initial reaction. And in all fairness, this area is probably, uh, you know, there's a a level of sophistication. You know, they're flying in an area where they can actually do this, which is a little bit more rural than, say, downtown Philadelphia or Los Angeles or something. Um, So there will be a culture difference also to, you know... um, big government or big corporations, et cetera. So as I'm trying to be tactful about this, um, but, you know, Amazon has got to work up a culture to help the people understand what's going on and what are the benefits, et cetera. So, yeah, and I think you make a good point, David, that uh, the, I don't want to call it a sales pitch, but the, you know, the, the communication program associated with something like this can be different depending on where in the country, you know, you're looking to, uh, or Amazon is looking to implement something new. And we all believe in uh, NIMBY, which is, you know, for all those people who've never heard that phrase, it's not in my backyard. The Amazon Fulfillment Center should not be in my backyard, but it's perfectly fine in somebody else's. You're struggling with that to begin with, and something the size of Amazon has got a reputation. So I'm not trying to um, placate Amazon, but yeah, I mean, I can understand why this would be a challenge, especially when the first words out of people's mouth is target practice. You know, I mean, that really is a kind of a an intensive threat against the company. You know, you know we have a lot of, well, we're going to talk about drone sports coming up. You've made me think of a new possible drone sport. So, but go ahead. What is... What is tech? Pull. Pull. Yeah, exactly. What is TechCrunch telling us today? TechCrunch is showing Arrow, which is A I R R O W, is automating battery and payload swapping for drones. It's an LA startup that's developing an autonomous device to swap drone batteries and payloads. I thought this was kind of cool, Max. You know, having AI do the swapping the equipment or swapping the batteries and or the equipment that the drone is carrying. What Arrow was saying is that the the manual labor behind the ground operation for a drone represents a significant part of the total cost. And in fact, they believe that up to 80% of the daily operational costs for drones can be eliminated if you automate it. 
if you, in their words, remove human labor from the mundane job of servicing a drone's routine operation. So they're implementing this through something they call uh, the drone hub. And uh, it's, uh, as, as you mentioned, David, it's a device that can change the batteries or change the payload in an autonomous fashion. Um, it utilizes a gantry that moves along X and Y axes. So, and then um, it's similar in operation to a 3D printer or a CNC machine. So if you go back and forth to move the payload or the battery so they slide out, then you'd move something and slide them back in. It's interesting that this is the system to do this. Um, I'm wondering where they're going to go to getting the aircraft that's equipped to support their their system. This is a two-part system. They're developing the materials to swap the batteries and the payloads, but they definitely need an aircraft that's capable of dealing with or interfacing with their technology. Again, it's autonomy, and you know, every time you automate something, everybody says they lose jobs, but you know, someone's got to fix the machines that fix the drones. So eventually it, it, it flows downstream. But this is kind of cool. I like, you know, imagine a drone flying in and being updated with everything it needs all by itself and then flies out and does its other things. Now, they've got a ways to go. I mean, they're just getting started. Uh, Aero is a, is a very small company. In fact, it says that they have just five employees. And I think they have some initial funding, but they're, they're seeking investors. So, uh, you know, th- there's a, a ways to go here. Um, very small company, a startup. Um, but yeah, the, the potential is, is pretty interesting. So our next one is from health.mil. I didn't know there was a health.mil until today. But um, how drones will transform battlefield medicine and save lives. Combat operations, uh, drones providing life-saving technology in combat operations. So they point out that um, one of the ways you can save a lot of lives in combat operations is to be able to quickly provide blood products, these to forward deployed medics and corpsmen. And this is because blood loss or bleeding out is reported to be the leading cause of preventable death on the battlefield. So... In the past, we've seen different situations uh, in, a, in a conflict like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, where the U.S. military controlled the, the skies and also had this uh, network of medical facilities close by. Getting the, the blood products to where they were needed was not a real issue. But there are other situations where it becomes a critical issue. Yeah, when we talk about near-pure adversaries, um, injured troops may have to remain on the front lines for days while needing blood transfusions and or other medical care. Um, If you've watched enough episodes of MASH, you know that one of the things they're always needing is blood. And sometimes they've gone out of their way to get do things to get blood. So you've got drones. It's drone delivery and drone delivery of medical supplies and medications we've already talked about and from a civilian aspect is is very very um strong materials are fairly lightweight they're fairly compact and it's perfect for a drone delivery so off-the-shelf solutions are being considered 
in most um, combat cases, it must be fast and somewhat stealthy, provide temperature control without too much battery usage, long loiter time, and fast decision AI. So basically the technology that's being developed in the civilian world for uh, medical or organ delivery. And they also mentioned that they're, you, know, you can scale this up and uh, perhaps provide or think about evacuation drones for wounded soldiers. So instead of bringing the, the medical supplies to the, the wounded soldiers, bring the, use drones to bring the wounded soldiers back to the medical facilities. Well, it, it, we, we've used helicopters for years. You know. yep. Again, I, I, I turned to, to MASH. That's how you got them off the front line. So a little change in tone, let's talk about the evolution of sports through digital eyes, or drones in sports. This was from Creedon.com. Indian sports company Creedon looks to how drones develop or impact sports. We've talked about this a lot over the years, Max, but this was kind of a nice case study of everything all at once. Yeah, they look at this from the standpoint of several, uh, several thoughts, several topics, Training and game analytics, for example, uh, you, you can video games, uh, especially with a perspective of a drone. Uh, you can replay and show details that you might have otherwise uh, missed. Uh, another one they talk about that, I don't know, if, I'm not sure of how practical this is at this point, uh, getting food delivered to your seat. They talk about ordering food with an app and having it delivered right to your seat. I'm, I'm having trouble visualizing how a drone would deliver, you know, a hot dog. We did talk about this but in in upstate New York. They did these tests where they were delivering the pizzas to the people in the seats. But, you know, it's that's one of those ones where, like, you're flying over the public. Right. Um, you know, I, I, not sure that that one's going to happen. Like you said, not sure that one's going to happen anytime soon. Another one is pre-game and halftime entertainment. Okay? We've talked about drone light shows that can provide entertainment. Other areas, um, security, uh, for example, uh, crowd control, using drones to, uh, to monitor uh, and uh, discover issues with, with crowds. We've also seen drones used for uh, sanitizing stations, spraying drones, uh, obviously, this is in, in the empty stadium before a sporting event, but uh, should it become necessary to sanitize the stadium, drones can be used to to uh, perform that function. Of course, broadcasting, um, that's definitely um, a commonplace now, you know, from the Olympics to NASCAR to football and those that kind of thing. The next one I thought was kind of interesting. We haven't talked about this one, but... You know, um, instant replay, you know, is coming. Refereeing, I though I don't think there's any sport that's actually adopted it yet, but it'll be interesting to have your drone hovering over to get an extra viewpoint on that penalty during the football game, which is a very interesting aspect that I hadn't thought of. What do you think, Max? Maybe even replacing the referees, the uh you know, that staff and automating the process to the extent where maybe the AI is good enough. So, you know, it calls the, the plays. It says that it was a foul ball or the, or the drone AI says, you know, where the uh, where the uh, the player came down and, and where the uh, football should be placed 
all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you could just really extend it to uh, to, to a, an auto, fully automation kind of scenario. Yeah. Okay. That I, I, I it all uh, too much. Huh? And eliminate the whole human error aspect of refereeing. Why would we want to do that? Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. We would never have a bad call again. Right. Right. How about aerial mapping, Max? What do you? What do you, I mean? That that of course is you know, discovering new courses or setting up new ski courses, etc. How about from the player standpoint? If I was, um, uh, you know, a pro golfer, I might be interested in using a drone to uh, map in in huge, minute, precise detail the terrain of the you know of each of the holes so that you could you know maybe plan your uh, you know your putts with a little bit more accuracy perhaps well and that that goes back to the first one which was training in game analytics you know just being able to well you know there there's also been the whole with the game, training in game analytics um flying your drone over the other teams practice field and seeing what's going on so yeah there's some intelligence and last but not least, drones as sports, you know, um, drone racing and drone soccer. Um, what was drone soccer, Max? Hey, have you seen drone soccer? I have not. I have not seen drone soccer. We'll have to take a look at that. Harkening back to uh, our earlier conversation, yeah, how about drone skeet? I mean, that sounds like fun. You could have, you know, <laughs> the clay pigeons are... Well, there's no intelligence built in, right? They just kind of launch and go through their arc. But what about a what about a drone that had some smarts that was actually trying to evade your buckshot? That's that could be fun. Yeah. No? Okay. I hey, you know, you're from Connecticut. You put guns on drones. Yeah, we're used to that stuff here. As long as the drone does not shoot back at if I'm playing skeet, I'm I think I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. If it starts shooting back, then we've sort of gotten one more step towards Skynet, and that's not a good thing. There you go. Aerospace company working to protect tree canopy using drone technology. This is from the Winnipeg CTVnews.ca. Dutch elm disease has devastated elm trees in a number of countries. I know that um, my brother has had quite a few of his elm trees on his property been attacked. We have a company, it's Volatis Aerospace, and what they want to do is use the drones to identify the disease earlier than is normally the case. And what they're envisioning is that drones can fly through an area where there are elm trees and use machine learning algorithms. Here's AI again, once again. Uh, use machine learning algorithms to identify suspect trees that could then be tested to uh, to confirm whether or not they actually have uh, the Dutch elm disease. But uh, this would replace a process that uh, takes much, much more time. Yeah, it's a ground-based assessment. You know, you, you march the crews, drive around and mark the suspected trees, come back later, take samples, uh, determine if the tree suffers from the Dutch elm disease, and the process is slow and costly. You know, you're doing multiple steps, and it's a manual process. So using, using the AI to speed up the process and to be able to address them quicker will reduce the amount of um, infections throughout the, commu the tree community. Mm. 
In more conservation news, Enviros trains drone pilots to find and pursue pollution. A drone was used to observe a suspected violation of the Clean Air Act. This was from krmg.com. Yeah, this happened when a environmentalist, Brent Walls, he, he saw some kind of a strange substance in a stream in Pennsylvania, and he speculated that it was coming from a rock mine, Specialty Granules, LLC. Uh, and he used a drone to investigate whether or not the, the source of, of, of this pollution in the, in the stream was coming from that company. He used the drone to photograph company property, and in doing so, he found evidence of an illegal discharge from this company. So Walls is a member of the nonprofit Waterkeeper Alliance. It's a global network of clean water groups. He trains drone pilots with the help of a grant. The Waterkeeper Alliance wants activists to learn how to use the drones for storytelling and um, evidence collection. So perfect identity, but, you know, it... This is one of those gray areas, Max. You're starting to fly over other people's properties, etc. You know, and documenting those kind of things. That's going to be one of the. It's going to be one of those. I wonder how much evidence they'll be able to use in a court of law. I think all of it, because hey, if you if you took pick the uh, the images from your Cessna, that would be admissible. You can fly your Cessna over a, uh, a company, over specialty granules, just like you can fly your drone over that. So this technique has been used in other, in other cases. Uh, drones were used to investigate a coal operation in West Virginia. They were allegedly discharging coal residue into a river, and as a result of the, you know, the, the investigation, the images captured by drone, the company ended up cleaning up the site. So uh, you might ask, well, so what happened with specialty granules? Well, the company stopped the discharges and they installed a filtration system. So good result in the end. I think, uh, at least I get the impression that the uh, motivation for Waterkeeper Alliance is not to, you know, fine or charge or cause uh, prosecution necessarily. They, they just want, they want clean water. And that's what ended up happening here. Although Specialty Granules wasn't particularly happy with it, the, the vice president of operations there said unscheduled drone overflies can present a distraction and potential accidents to employees who operate heavy machinery. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, 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 can, you can sort of understand that. But, uh, but still, uh, I think this has a uh, valid uh, purpose in life. Yeah, it's a perfect use for drones. Well, Max, we got a video of the week, and this is why coaxial configurations of drones is a brilliant invention. I look at a coaxial drone every day at the museum. One, the very first drone that the Navy used here in the United States to um, operate from a ship was actually a coaxial, coaxial um, helicopter um, drone. So... Um, this is a really good study on how to avoid torque. The company Nordic Unmanned has a patent for coaxial configuration on a drone. Now, I don't know where that patent was issued, but 
they have a patent. Of course, yeah, coaxial configuration. It's two motors on the same axis rotating in opposite directions. Now, in this video, which is from Nordic Unmanned, uh, they mentioned that they owned the patent on that kind of a configuration. And they are more than happy to talk with you about licensing this, uh, this concept as a product. Um, I don't know. Nordic Unmanned is a, I mean, this is a good-sized business. This is not a, they're not a patent troll uh, or anything like that. They have, a, I, th I think, a legitimate uh, unmanned business. But in 2011, uh, this patent for coaxial configuration was awarded to a company called Air Robot. And then in 1921, Nordic Unmanned bought Air Robot. So therefore, Nordic Unmanned now owns this patent. The video is kind of, it seems, trying to put other companies on notice that, without saying it directly, that you know they may be violating the, 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 the patent. patent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it coaxial helicopters have been around for years. I right. It's called, big. it's called prior art, and you know, you would have to look at the the patent in detail to see if there's anything, you know, new or unique that warrants the issue of a patent. But aside from that, prior art is the term that references that we see. Co yeah, you're right, David. We see the coaxial configurations uh, on a number of aircraft long before 2011 and air robots patent. So I don't know if this will go anywhere or not. And what uh, Nordic unplan or unmanned, sorry, plans to uh, do in terms of litigating uh, patent infringement, but something to keep an eye on. And if, if you're if you're a corporation that utilizes coaxial configurations on your multi rotors, this is something to uh, watch watch very carefully. So with that, Max, I think we're going to wrap up another week. What do you think? I think we are. I don't know if you can hear this or not, but my neighbor is mowing the lawn, and so there is a very loud buzz. So hopefully, I'm not picking that up. But either way. We're happy that you've listened to this episode, episode 406 of the UAV Digest. You can find us at theuavdigest.com. And, of course, you can reach us on all sorts of social media. Um, you can reach Max and I directly on our LinkedIn accounts. You can join our Slack listener team, and you do that by sending us an invite, a request for an invite to feedback at theuavdigest.com. And, of course, our usual social media haunts, Facebook, uh, Twitter, etc. But so until we meet again, this is David in Delaware. In Max in Connecticut. Thanks for listening.